1: I weirdly check Facebook like a lot.
2: Kids are like really into Facebook and I'm like, oh my God, it's like becoming vintage chic.
3: I don't know if I'm like the most jovial to do the welcome back line, but I'll try it.
2: Whoops, okay.
3: Hey there and welcome to another Off Bites episode. I'm Chris.
2: And I'm Lauren. And I'm Kieran.
3: Welcome back, Karen. We've handed over the reins to you this week.
2: Karen is a friend of the pod, and she sends us literally the best ideas. We had such a, a hard time picking these out of a hole list she sent us. So thank you so much for that. And thank you so much for coming back on for our uh, Leap Day recording.
1: Thank you guys so much for having me on. I'm
2: happy to be here.
3: You found some gems for us to talk about today. So let's dive in.
2: Uh, but first our usual housekeeping. Um, we always want to hear from you, our listeners. If you hear something that you like, please reach out or if you have any story ideas, we would love to dig into them. Let us know about them. You can find us on Twitter, I'm at LaurenBerry91. And our host, Mike Rogers, is at KRLD Mike Rogers.
3: I'm at Chris C. Blake, and you can also email us at something offbeat at odyssey.com.
1: And I'm at Kieran Schiffler on Instagram. So it turns out that rats have had quite the shout out in the news as fleek. and it seems that the drive to take selfies isn't exclusive to humans or just everybody you see on your Instagram feed. It actually transcends into the animal kingdom as well. A French photographer conducted an experiment similar to BF Skinner's work with rats, where they received a sugar reward for completing certain tasks. In this case, the task he trained them on was pressing a button to take a headshot style photo and the reward they would get would be the sugar cube. However, when the researcher switched from giving rewards every time to just giving sporadic ones or giving no rewards at all, the rats were still eager to snap those selfies. And the photos are super cute. I highly recommend checking them out for some midday dopamine. And I say we go even a step further and start these rats in Instagram. You know, maybe this would be the start of a new wave of influencers. And in other rat-themed news, it was a sad day for Chicagoans when a famous rat hole nicknamed Chimley was filled in by cement. This famous landmark came to be when what people thought to be a rat walked its way into some pretty wet cement and left a detailed imprint of its body. R.I.P., And it quickly became a social media sensation, and people started leaving little tributes like coins and other knickknacks. When it was recently filled in by cement, people tried their absolute hardest to dig out the hole and preserve what was a special piece of Chicago history. And Lauren, you live in Chicago. Have you been to this famous landmark, or have you even
2: heard of it? I, I have heard of it. I've been by, it's actually in my neighborhood. I am from Rathole Central. I thought it was really fun. You're from Philly, right? Yes, yep. I feel like like Philly and Chicago have kind of a a kinship for weird stuff like this. It almost seems like something that could happen in Philly, like the um the rotisserie chicken guy um. Who do you did you ever hear that story? Yes, I love it. I miss I'm upset about the rat hole, Um, you know, being covered up. I wonder I was talking before we started the show about people filling in potholes on my street. I wonder if it's the same crew that killed the rat hole. So, uh, rat hole pride. Um, also I like this, uh, this thing about the rat selfies and I agree. I think they'd be great influencers. I am obsessed. I don't have a cat myself and I'm actually allergic, so I can't have a cat, but I'm obsessed with cat Instagram accounts, like cute cats doing weird stuff. I just like watch that all the time when I'm not working. So I think, I think Including some cute rats into the rotation of my Instagram scrolling would be would be a good way to liven things up in my life.
1: Yep. Highly recommend looking at those photos.
3: I'm looking at them right now. I like them a lot. The rats look like they're genuinely interested in taking the selfies. And oh, this contraption they built for them to climb up into is really impressive.
1: I know. I wonder what drove this guy to create this whole experiment. I mean, it must have taken him a lot of time. I hope he was paid for it.
3: I've just accepted that there's a lot of people that are much smarter than me. Same.
1: So I have another question for you guys. Did any of you do dry January? And to be honest, I didn't even attempt it. I didn't want to set myself up for failure like
2: that. I did not. I definitely had a few glasses of wine in January. I have to admit.
3: I attempted it and made it like a week, I think. I was at a friend's birthday party and he got something that makes like smoked cocktails for his birthday. And he was like, do you want a smoked old fashioned? And I was like, well, it would be rude not to. So it became a damp January after that.
1: (laughs) Hey, at least you made it a week. That's impressive in my book. When it's cold out. I mean, like you need a treat once in a while.
3: Once in a while, every other day, every day, you know, whatever.
1: (laughs) No judgment here. The yogurt company Siggy's put on a different type of dry January where they actually paid people $10,000 to lock their phone in a box for a month and they gave them a flip phone to use instead. The yogurt company said that they wanted to promote a digital detox and encourage people to live a simple life with minimal distractions. And now as much as I love TikTok, this is definitely a type of dry January I could do. I mean, think of how much yogurt you could buy with $10,000.
3: I would love to do this. If it was feasible in today's like workplace and society, I would love to give up all that kind of stuff and only have calls and text messaging. But I don't feel like you can operate at the level you're expected to, which I don't know what that says about our, our workplace.
2: True. Uh, yeah, I I need the phone mostly for Slack so I can do work stuff. I feel like that's like the most social media I use. Although I'm like on, again, looking at my cat videos on Instagram constantly and also like on Twitter a lot. Um, But yeah, I would kind of like to do this. The one thing though, I remember having a flip phone when I was younger and I had texting on it, but like you had to do T9 word and I just don't want to go back. I like to have the full keyboard.
1: It's funny. My first, my first phone was actually an iPhone. So (laughs) I missed that.
3: That's what I was about to ask. I was going to say, Kieran, have you ever used anything that was not a smartphone?
1: So I didn't get a phone until I was in seventh grade. That was the rule that my parents put into place. So everybody else before me who got a phone in like sixth grade or fifth grade, they all had the flip phones and they were so cute. They were like either blue or pink. And I always was very jealous. But um, the iPhone, I think, kind of became way more popular when I was in seventh grade. So that's what I ended up getting.
2: Nice. I don't think I I had, um, I had the flip phone. I had the weird thing where you had to, I had like a flicky phone that w- broke. So I'd have to like flick it really fast in order for the screen to pop up and then try to type really quickly. It was like a, a weird, my friends were so annoyed with me with that phone. It was awful. And then I had a fake Blackberry and then I don't think i got get an iPhone until I was in college.
3: I didn't get an iPhone until I was out of college, but I also weirdly clung to my Android smartphone for a while before I gave in. And then once I did, I was like, why didn't I do this a long time ago?
1: So talking about the obsession with social media, have you guys been seeing all the chatter about the Barbie Oscar nomination snubs? It's been all over my feeds recently.
2: Oh, definitely.
3: I think I live in a different world on social media, but I am aware of it.
1: Yes. So it turns out that Mother Nature was even pretty pissed off about this snub, and she showed her support by turning a lake in Hawaii, bright Barbie pink, and the color has never been seen before. Officials originally thought that it had to do with an overgrowth of a certain type of algae or due to a recent drought, but it seems that a bacteria called a halobacteria was more likely the reason behind it. However, they obviously have to conduct more testing to be sure. And luckily, it seems that it has not harmed any of the animals, but officials still tell people to stay out of the water and to definitely not drink it.
2: Barbie Lake sounds cute. It's funny that it sounds cute, but it's actually bacteria. So I guess that's kind of gross. I'm not really like a big fan of jumping into natural bodies of water. So I would still like to to visit and see it because I wouldn't be jumping in the water anyway. How about
3: you, Chris? I'm okay with getting into natural bodies of water for the most part. Although I kind of prefer oceans. Lakes are usually a little bit on the... they sus. ...grosser side.
1: Yeah. Just the stillness of the water scares me. I mean,
3: I know there's no sharks in lakes, but there could be lots of other stuff.
1: I always convince myself when I'm swimming in a lake that a shark is going to come and get me, even though I know that's impossible. But in my head, it seems like that is going to be the thing that takes me out.
3: I think a lot of it to me is just how the bottom of it feels like the bottom of the ocean doesn't feel gross. The bottom of a lake is disgusting.
2: Yeah. If if you get like mud, mud. Get in your toes and stuff. There was a lake near, like the in the town where I grew up, which is just a sh- Chicago suburb, and it's a fake lake. Like they, it's a man-made thing. Um, but we would still go swimming there sometimes, and the bottom was super gross, like very
3: thick. Fun fact: Every lake in Texas, except for one, is fake.
2: Oh, whoa! Really? Yeah.
3: There's like no natural lakes here.
2: Fascinating.
3: What about Lake Michigan? Because that's almost an ocean.
2: Yeah, I feel like, uh, I was just talking to my, my friend about this. Um, it feels like this, like to me, because the horizon is so big on Lake Michigan, it kind of feels the same as when you're at in the ocean. Like, cause you can't really tell the difference from your perspective. Um, but it is freshwater. So it's like better to get it in your mouth than when you're in the ocean. <laughs>
1: In the summer, um if it's hot enough, I'll probably jump
2: into any body of water just to cool down. So, That's true. I've definitely done that in Lake Michigan,
3: um a lot. Sitting in water is like one of the only ways to actually survive in the summer, so I understand that.
1: And the last story I have today has to be one of my favorites. It's all about parrots who have horrible potty mouths. Back in 2025, five African gray, gray parrots who were donated to a wildlife center in Eastern England, had such foul language that they had to be separated from the whole flock in an attempt to fix it. However, that did not seem to work, and the parrots were still cursing away, so the wildlife center had to take a different approach. They mixed in the parrots with 92 clean parrots, hoping that they would learn to take after their peers. So I guess we will have to wait and see if they end up with five rehabilitated parrots, or 97 birds that have to get their mouths washed out with soap. And the funny thing is, the zoo actually had to put up warning signs for the parrots near the cage in case parents had young children with sensitive ears walking around.
2: I love this story so much. Um, Chris and I have talked before about how we love profanity. um, And I... You know what? I know it's going to be hard for the kids and everything, but I hope these bad influence parrots ruin the whole group. I hope they're all swearing. I think it's hilarious.
3: Yeah, I'm rooting for the 97 birds to come out of there saying and and if you don't want your kids to hear it, don't bring them.
2: Yeah,
1: it's a good learning experience for them, you know, expose them to different different types of things,
2: different cultures.
1: Yes, parrot culture.
3: If I had a kid, I'd be afraid he or she would be the one that's teaching all the other kids the bad words at school.
2: It's good to have a varied vocabulary, you know? There's so much profanity has to
3: offer. Did y'all ever come home from school and ask your one of your parents, like, what a word meant that you heard at school?
1: I can't remember doing that, but I remember when I was in first grade, I didn't know what the middle finger meant, so I kept doing it to everybody until someone had to pull me aside and explain what it meant. So I obviously stopped doing that. But it's always a fun story.
2: That's so cute. I'm just imagining little baby Kieran flipping everybody off. Good for her.
3: And come to find out as an adult, it's way more acceptable just to say the word than it is to flip somebody off.
2: I think I would, I had like a babysitter that I would go to for stuff like that. Kind of like secretly be like, so someone said this at school. I don't know what it means. uh, god bless her and her patience with me for for that she would be like horrified those were some great picks kieran and i know you have more so we'll see you
1: soon thanks so much i hope to be back
3: thanks for joining us for off bites and stay tuned next week when something offbeat tackles the mystery of why color seems to have been drained from interior design
2: awesome great job team good episode high fives
0: all-star closer kenley jansen we have a question what's the best podcast of all time